from the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and joining me on the High Desert Hotline for this episode is Peter Schrager. Peter is one of the hosts on NFL Network's Emmy-nominated Good Morning Football, which airs Monday through Friday at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern. And Peter is also a sideline sideline reporter for Fox Sports' NFL coverage uh, on the team with uh, Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman. Uh, Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate uh, being asked, and I'm honored to do the podcast. I'm certainly glad to have you here. Uh, Peter, I, I know listeners want to know how you feel when shows that have ratings around, you know, around the area that Good Morning Football does have uh, a bright, light, bright spotlight shown on them uh, in sports media circles. Uh, but Good Morning Football, kind of not so much. But before getting into any of that, just tell us, tell us generally about Good Morning Football. Good morning, football. Uh, it's the fa- my favorite job I've had uh, as far as a daily gig goes. We're having a blast, man. It's Monday to Friday from 7 to 10 on the NFL Network in the mornings. We film in New York City. It's myself. It's Nate Burleson, who just got the CBS uh, NFL Today gig as well. It's Kyle Brandt, who's across from me, who's amazing. And it's Kay Adams, who's wonderful as well. It's the four of us. It's three hours. It's football, but it's also fun. I know when... Uh, Mike Greenberg's show was announced. There was like a lot of comments about it. it's like the view, but for sport. I mean, that's what we're doing. It's for football. It, I feel like we're four uh, pretty well, well plugged in people in our own different lanes, and uh, we're having a blast, dude. We got nominated for the Emmy. It was an ultimate honor. We lost the PTI. No shame there. It's a show that I think is the uh, gold standard, but it's been a trip, and our show keeps getting better and better, and it lives online. It, it, it resonates with viewers, and you're right. I mean. Sports media circles, I don't know if we're uh, one of the chosen ones, you know what I'm saying? And that, yep. that was a comment that you made on your tweet that I, I laughed at. You said, you know, it doesn't get the same promotion or coverage. Um, not necessarily a, a media darling, but the fans like it. The ratings are doing great. And uh, from what I gather, the NFL Network's really excited about it. So we talk football. We do it in a fun way. And if you're waking up in the morning, I, mean, I encourage everyone to at least give us a shot. And uh, so just, just to just, – just to to bang the point home. So like last year, and I know, I know you're a Fox guy and you won't have anything to say bad about Fox, but when, when, you know, people are just hammering the uh, undisputed ratings over and over again, and uh, your ratings are, are as good or, you know, some days better. Uh, d- does it annoy you or, or do you just, does it just roll off your back? You know what? I hope that our bosses are all the ones that matter. I, I, it's such a small industry that sports media and the Twitter stuff that we can't be caught up with. Like who's, buzzing and who's not and i'll be honest i think it's great that there's all these morning options coming i i I know chris and i know nick at fox sports one and i'm excited for their show i think all boats will rise and you know bring on the competition with mike greenberg and whoever they're putting around him this is cool we're all going to be filming morning shows in new york city targeting the same kind of audience a couple blocks away from each other this is the sports media story of the fall and Fortunately, like I get along with everyone, and I'm excited about it. And I mean, this is more jobs in the industry, more jobs in New York, and uh, that's a fun storyline. I know it's not being covered as such, but to me, that's what the deal is. And and Robert, I mean, like we get in so early, we're in at 4:30 in the morning. Kay, Nate, Kyle, myself, we can't be worried about what awful announcing is tweeting about. Like we're all in on the show, <laughs> and we're excited that people tweet the show. So yeah, are we are we getting the same buzz? I don't know. I know, I do know that after. A Cowboys game on Monday night. We come in on Tuesday and we get ratings in the hundred thousands. So we're excited about that. Yeah, 
Yep. So, uh, well, I, I want to talk a lot about uh, about your uh, Fox Fox Sports uh, sideline gig, but I'm really curious, uh, especially with your your Monday to Friday work in New York. Like, how far in advance right now do you know your schedule? Yeah, this is a great question. My schedule is kind of insane. The next, uh, straight up from now till Super Bowl. So here's my deal: Monday through Friday, seven to ten a.m. I'm doing. Um, Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Many days I'll do Colin Coward's show during the week on Fox Sports 1 after that. Then on Thursday afternoons, I will fly out to whatever destination the Fox bosses put us at for our crew. I will do the Good Morning Football show Friday mornings, 7 to 10 Eastern, wherever I am those Fridays for Fox. Because here's what people don't realize. That's that's like a full-time deal in itself. Yep. Friday, Saturday, Sunday is all work for a Fox Sunday game because we we go to the practice of the home team. We meet with the head coach, both coordinators, star players from the home team on Friday. Saturday, the visiting team flies in. We go to their hotel. We meet with those same folks, and then Sunday we do the game. So I'm doing San Francisco, Carolina week one with our crew. It's in San Francisco, so my deal is interesting. I'll fly into San Francisco Thursday afternoon. Friday, I'll do the show 3 a.m. local time in San Francisco from San Francisco's facilities. We'll meet with the team. Carolina will meet with on Saturday. And then Sunday, I do a late game, Carolina versus San Fran. And then I'm taking a red eye. I don't have the private jet. I'm taking a red eye. And then I'm walking right in from the airport to Good Morning Football on Monday. So it is hysterical. But as far as how many weeks in advance, Fox has given us our first batch of games. I know at least the first five weeks where I will be. That's excellent. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to know, uh, and uh, that that uh, that sounds hectic. Uh, I, I am glad you're a young man because uh, that that sounds like a lot of a, a lot of stress for me. Wouldn't want it any other way. It's amazing. I love what? it, and what? I think what's interesting is it bleed they, the two things bleed into each other, which is so cool of these bosses. But honestly, I'm sitting with let's take a, uh, San Francisco for example. Friday, I'll be sitting in the facility for 12 hours. I'll speak with Kyle Shanahan for 40 minutes. I'll speak with Brian Hoyer for 40 minutes. John Lynch is an old buddy of mine from Fox. I'll probably get lunch with him. I'll try to pop in Jed York, the owner's office. And that's all on Friday. And then Monday I can come in and say, all right, let me explain what's going on in San Francisco, not because I have a hot take from a studio show in New York, but because I was there on site before the game and I got to really get in there and lay the land. And that's the advantage of being on site all these times, and the travel makes it all worth it. Yeah. So, uh, so talk in detail and as as broadly as you want to uh, about uh, you know the typical typical week as an NFL sideline reporter. It's all. I mean, it's news gathering throughout the week. I think my role. I'm not going to say it's different, but Fox doesn't have me up there um, to just give injury reports or something like that. Like, what they're hoping is that I can get some inside information from the front office that the coaches that I have relationships with will give me a little extra shed of info. And so that's all texting on the phone and getting that stuff going when I'm in person with those guys. But you've got to know every single angle. I mean, I remember last year, it might have been two years ago, you know, Jarek McKinnon had a huge day for the Vikings. Jarek McKinnon out of, I believe it's Georgia Southern, and I I was prepared. I had three different stories about Jarek McKinnon of the Vikings, and here's why they drafted him, and here's what he did in college, and he played quarterback in college, and here – so you need to know all 53 men on the roster, you know, why they were acquired, what their story is. Um, the Atlanta Falcons last year had a 
fourth-string tight end score a touchdown. I knew that he flew his family in because it was his first time doing an NFL game. Into Car- like, that kind of stuff goes the extra mile if you know all those stories. Right. Then beyond that, you've got to fight for those stories. I don't think people realize that 99% of the work that we do as sideline reporters from Monday up to Sunday does not make the air. You're going to get three hits, maybe four hits if you're lucky, and a lot of it's just injury updates. So if you can get that story, you've got to sell that to the producer because, quite honestly, the fan at home wants to watch the football, and unless it's pertinent, unless it's worth in- incorporating into the broadcast in, in a way that flows, it's not going to make the air. So a lot of it is getting the right info and selling it, and throughout the week you're kind of pushing those, those angles. Yeah, well, what, can you talk about the, uh, the the meeting schedule? How much time uh, you spend with uh, Brenneman and Spielman? Th- th- those kind of things. Well, they become family. It really is um, a second family. Last year, uh, my wife and I had our first first child. We had a son, and it was right in the middle of football season. Congrats, and, like, I'll never, Thank you, thank you. And I'll never forget like the guys on our crew because every Sunday. It was checking the phone. Is, is she going into labor? Is she not going into labor? And our producer is a guy named Mark Teitelman who could not have been cooler. And that's like a part of your life because you are spending every Thursday to Sunday with these people for 18 weeks. I mean, that's really what it is. So, yeah, we're meeting all the time. I mean, honestly, Friday you go to practice. You then meet with the other team. And then, you, you know, you go to dinner on Friday night. Then Saturday you're all day with these folks in a conference room, breaking down film. And Spielman, I would put him up against anybody in the game when it comes to film study. He'll put, a, he'll put the, the overhead on and he'll go in there. You know, like, and you've got to right. know your stuff. He, he expects a high standard. And then Sunday you're with them. So it, it's a lot of meetings, but it's more, um, it's more just bonding time so that we know the flow and we're not surprised by anything that the other guy uh, brings to the table. Right. Uh, let's talk, let's talk NFL ratings on uh, on multiple levels. Um, so obviously, it's something that uh, that that you're quite aware of. There was a lot of talk uh, last year uh, due to the declining ratings. Um, most people have uh, put it on to the. Uh, I think most of the people who who have access to good data anyway have uh, concluded that uh, that the election was was the the biggest uh, impact on the NFL ratings. Um, and uh, then people thought, okay, well, after the election, the, the ratings bounce back. And uh, now, now people, a uh, story, um, t- taping, taping this, there's a, on a Monday in August, and there's a story in Sports Business Journal uh, that has uh, Fox exec uh, and, uh, and all-around uh, smart guy, Mike Mulvihill, uh, you know, just kind of, kind of saying that, uh, you know what, given, given Trump and, and, uh, and uh, how – how fixated the news cycle has been on him um, that, you know, there, there may be some continued uh, impact on NFL ratings because people are switching over to, to cable news. Uh, so uh, two questions for you. What do you think about the topic in general? And uh, a, are you sick about hearing? Are you sick of hearing about it? No, I mean, look, let's go to point one. I think Michael's right. I also think we're going to see an increase year over year. I think the election year is going to take a real, uh, yeah, the election year is going to be more than what this year is. And I would also point to the NFL landscape. I know this is very in the weeds, but last year we were coming off a Super Bowl where the Carolina Panthers played in it. All right, That's not a top market. I would yeah. also say the Arizona Cardinals were the ones in the, in, the division, in the conference championship with them. So let's think about the landscape of the NFL last year. Brady was out the first four games. Peyton Manning had retired. The big teams that people were pushing were Carolina and Arizona. Look at it this year. Dallas. Green Bay, <laughs> P- 
Pittsburgh, New England with Brady. I mean, these are the, the national teams. These are the fan bases that, that, that really get to watch. I mean, you go through those first few weeks. Fox's schedule the first few weeks is completely loaded. I mean, I'm looking at week one. It's, it's Seattle Green Bay on Fox, and then at night it's Giants versus Cowboys on uh, NBC. The next week I think it's Denver and Dallas on Fox, and the week two matchup on NBC is another monster. I think those first few weeks – are monster matchups, and yeah. you're getting the national fan bases. So I would be surprised if the ratings didn't go up year after year, year over year. Secondly, am I tired of it? No, it's the reality we live in. But anyone who said last year that the Kaepernick stuff was a reason was off base. And I also think the cord cutting thing. I'm not being. I'm not showing hubris or being arrogant with this. I just the cord cutting thing. I, people still watch football. I mean, I, the, we did a Jaguars Titans. Um, Pre, uh, week something, you know, Thursday night color rush on NFL Network, and I'm pretty sure that game outrated a lot of the top hockey playoff games. Like, people yeah. are still watching football. It's just there was a dip in the ratings year over year last year. I would be very surprised, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm being uh, arrogant or there's hubris around the sport of football, a sport that I am you know, in love with and love doing what I do, but I would be very shocked if this year the ratings continue to slide based on last year. Yeah, you know, you 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 brought up Kaepernick, and I remember I I think I think it was about a month ago that I, I first you know brought up the idea of of trying to get you on the podcast, and I remember thinking at that time I will be very surprised if Kaepernick is not on a team by the time I talk to Peter, and uh, and uh, I I had that way wrong. So I'm curious, like, do do you uh, if Kaepernick isn't signed, you know, in in the next week or so, how how long is that a story that stays on the front burner? You know, you and me both about the surprise. I actually, I might have my foot in my mouth. I said, I don't think he'll get signed throughout training camp. I said this since since March when he was, you know, he asked for his release and got released by the I said, I don't think any team necessarily is going to sign him in training camp. But once the injuries happen, and they always happen in training camp, he'll be signed for week one and he'll be on a roster. I don't know if that's true anymore because we're getting to the point now where rosters are being filled out. So, I don't know. It's an interesting deal. Like, you want to talk about – philosophies and, and, and sports television, uh, let's call it what it is. You know, ESPN put a lot of um, bandwidth into the Kaepernick story and where he's going next and all that. We, we don't ignore it by any means, and Burleson's actually said some of the most eloquent stuff on sports television in regards to the Kaepernick stuff, um, but we don't typically start a show after there was football games with Kaepernick talk, or we don't spend – three hours debating um, Kaepernick to the Jaguars and all that stuff. And that's not by us trying to, you know, go a different direction or avoid it. It's, it's just what we've gotten feedback-wise from the viewers. They're coming to us for the highlights. We're going to show you every preseason highlight. We're going to give you an analyst, uh, analysis of all 32 teams. So the Kaepernick stuff, if it comes up naturally, it will. But we haven't gone out of our way. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, the, the Ravens signed an Arena League guy. Uh, to kind of be a camp arm for a day on a Friday. And everyone's reaction was, well, how does this guy get a job and not Kaepernick? But if you know the NFL, you know that he was being brought in for a camp arm. He was released by Sunday. It's almost insulting to Kaepernick to put him in the same conversation. Kaepernick's a starting quarterback. So we try to have intelligent, um, eloquent conversations. And we're going to cover everything. We covered the protest in New York City. We've covered all the amazing humanitarian work that Kaepernick's done. We've covered Michael Bennett's comment. Like, we cover it all, but I, you know, I don't know if, the, if, if that's going to be a story once the actual NFL storylines continue. Should it be a story? Of course. But 
is that the feedback we're getting from our viewers in real time, both on Twitter and whatever, that this is – I mean, if the Cowboys play the Giants, I'm not sure we want to start the show with why doesn't Kaepernick have a job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, back back to the uh, back to the sideline uh, stuff. Can can you talk about like what's going on in game? How hectic is it for you? Uh, uh, you know, while while the game is going on, it's it's incredibly hectic. It's one of the um, biggest thrill rides you'll get for three hours. I mean, basically, you're out there. You've got your producer in your ear, and you've got the broadcast in your ear, so you can hear what the announcers are saying. But you are on the sidelines of whoever's usually got the ball. A, a sideline reporter will travel to that side, and you're watching everything. You're watching the sideline interactions between coach and player. You're watching player and player. You're watching reactions on the field. If an offensive lineman uh, blows a sack, does the quarterback you know, roll his eyes or, or scream at him? Because beyond what makes the air, we're also the eyes and ears of the producer on the field. So – I'll give Aaron Andrews a ton of credit. I know the work Aaron does. Aaron, to me, is – I know it, you could have all your millions of reports. She is, to me, just nails. She's amazing. And I know from that crew, the selflessness that Aaron has is that she'll see something, she'll report it, and then you'll hear Aikman and Buck talk about it over the visuals. But a lot of times it's Aaron who's on the field saying, hey, look, Richard Sherman uh, just was getting into it with, with Terrell Pryor, and that's something you guys – if you have cameras on it, something to watch. You'll never hear it from Aaron. You'll hear – Aikman and Buck saying, hey, look, this is something that's going on right now, and take, out the, take a look at this picture. So a lot of it is that, and it's hectic because some, sometimes there's an injury, a serious injury, and the fan at home has, you know, has no access to what's going on. The guys in the press box are waiting for the PR department to give them an official you know, announcement, in the, and you are the one. Um, I was bumped up to the first crew a couple of years ago. Aaron was doing baseball, and they put me on the Buck Aikman crew. Big deal. Seahawks-Cowboys, the uh. highest-rated game of two years ago. In the final play of the half, uh, a young man, Ricardo Lockett, got a serious neck injury. And as we went to commercial, they were carting him off. And he, you know, there was no, so we come out of commercial, and it's Schrager, you're on, with 35 million people watching. What's the update? That was a crazy 10 minutes of me going into the locker room, finding a doctor, finding the PR guy, clearing it, saying he's not coming back in the game. He's got all his vital signs. He's going to the hospital. But I have to get that on the air because 35 million people are watching, and they're with bated breath with what happened. I had it before all the different reporters because I'm there. I'm the one in there. So it's a super high-stress job, and the beauty of it is that you also tell these amazing stories. Like I hate to keep rambling on about these stories, but like Jay Cutler a couple years ago, they were doing Bucks versus Bears. Uh, it's the sixth crew. I'm on the crew. We're doing it. Probably 3% of the country saw it, but there was a cool moment on Saturday where Cutler flew in, does the production meeting with me, and then says, hey, Schrager, I've got a, I've got a bolt. Um, is it cool if I leave early because I've got this thing going on in the hotel at another conference room? And I'm like, that's weird. Sure, whatever. I peek my head in. Jay Cutler has 40 kids from the juvenile diabetes group um, that are suffering from juvenile diabetes, and he's doing a sign and a meet and greet in Tampa. And I'm like, is anyone reporting this? He's like, what? No, I don't, I'm not about that. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that I can offer on set. So you have this image of Jay Cutler as this, as this horrible guy, and the, you know, the media portrays him in a way. Cutler you know, took the time when he flew into Tampa Bay for an hour to meet with these kids. I was able to tell that story on the air, and it kind of made news. Like, wow, okay, that's interesting. I wouldn't expect that, or that's not something we've heard about. So Yes, it's both sides. It's the injuries and it's the, the pertinence of that information. And it's also the cool story you might not be getting if you're covering it from afar. 
Right. Um, so how, how hard, like how sensitive is it getting act like when, when something like the accidents going on, uh, and you, you know, you're trying to get, uh, you know, info from team officials and, uh, and team doctors and that kind of thing, how hard is it to get that access? And like, how, how stressful is it? Like, I mean, are like people just waving you off, get the hell out of here. I mean, how does all that go? Absolutely. Well, there's all sorts of protocols. There's, you know, Here's the deal. I've got a really good relationship after 15 years of working, you know, covering the NFL with these CR guys. I don't ever get information wrong, and especially on air, I don't want to be wrong. So I would always say to everyone, I'd rather not go out with a report right away than get a wrong report out there. So the key is having the official word from the team. That said, you've got to hustle, and you've got to be at times a little, you know, a little sneaky, and you've got to put it on to, to get that information as quick as possible. So, yes, it's the doctor's never going to talk to you directly and say, yeah, you know what, it's an ACL, he's done for the year. But if you can get with the PR guy and get with it and say, okay, well, what kind of sprain is that knee? What does that typically mean? And you can know the injuries and you can be able to process that quickly. You can, you can really make news and you can also add to the broadcast, which is the most important part. Yeah, that, that, uh, that makes sense. So wh- what is uh, the, the NFL storyline uh, that you don't think is getting any or much attention that should be getting attention? question the nfl storyline that is not getting enough attention i you know the battle for la thing is cool i don't know if it's going to resonate with an east coast audience and i don't think the chargers and rams fan bases are big but i can tell you that both organizations are in this thing and they are not like kumbaya there is some real i don't want to say bad blood but there's no love loss between the rams and chargers organizations the rams basically pay for this entire facility they get the right to go to L.A., and then less than a year later, the Chargers show up in L.A. and say, yeah, and we're going to eventually play in your stadium, and we're going to rent it. But wait, we're the team of L.A., by the way. So there's no love lost there. There's been a little bit of tit-for-tat with you know, what's going on in the marketing of it all, where the Chargers brought Kobe Bryant. The next day, the Rams bring Kevin Hart. Like, there is a little bit of this going on now. Not national teams, but what if both these teams started getting good, and there's only so much of that pie. It's the second biggest media market in the country. There's a fair weather feel to a lot of L.A. sports fans from the East Coast to the West Coast. So it's an interesting deal. I don't think there's been enough coverage of what these teams are building towards and this complete race for a fan base because at the end of the day, they're opening the stadium in Inglewood, and you're not going to see many fans buy season tickets for both teams. It's almost like a trial by error. Which team do I want to roll with here? Because they're both coming, and neither one of them were any good last year. Yeah, what, what are your what what are your thoughts on uh, on the Raiders going to uh, Las Vegas and and when do you think that'll happen? Yeah, I was surprised it actually all went down. I thought there would be a last second push by the city. I thought there'd be a last second push by Marcus Allen and Ronnie Lott and some of the guys who are working on the team side of it yeah. um, or the Oakland side of it. But they're going to Vegas, and I know the NFL's all in, and it's going to be a real interesting deal because as I've said openly on the air, and it might not be. Uh, you know, a thrill for the NFL bosses to hear it on their network. But I said, this this could be a ticking time bomb. I don't know what that means, but when you put these players in an environment where there are casinos, where there is gambling, where there is a nightlife element, I don't know, I just know for years covering sports, Vegas was taboo, and all of a sudden it's not. So, you know, I hear what Roger Goodell's saying. I hear what the league is saying, that Vegas is a lot more than just CD individuals and casinos. But, Robert, I, I just I don't know – if if things go wrong, you know, can you take the toothpaste back in the tube? I don't know. We'll see what happens. 
Yep. So, uh, hey, at least uh, you got another uh, uh, warm weather destination in the winter. It's another CBS late window that they can they can use. It's good. I think it, you know, it's going to be interesting with CBS and uh, and Romo, obviously. But I think what's more fascinating with them is who's like the next quarterbacks. I think Fox is a little spoiled with the NFC and the quarterbacks when you've got a Dak Prescott and an Aaron Rodgers and all that. But the Raiders, there is a real chance that the Raiders are like the anchor for CBS the next few years with Carr and Lynch and that team coming up and with – you know, the Patriots obviously in the 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock window. The Raiders are really interesting because they've been waiting for that other young quarterback to come about. And Andrew Luck kind of stopped and started. And Johnny Manziel, there was hope. And Andy Dalton. But here you go. Here's a gift. I mean, this is the Raiders, a huge fan base. And Derek Carr is all that he's cracked up to be. So that could be a real interesting storyline to watch, too, how the Raiders are presented on national television. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I, uh, I, I think it's just one of those things that the uh... – the league is somehow more fun when the uh, when the Raiders are at least a little bit relevant. I agree. I agree. There's a, like it's still a danger to that team. I kind of like it, and their fan base still is the Raiders fan base, and there's a place for that. It's very cool. Last year was a fun ride for our show because it was our first year, and you know we don't play favorites whatsoever. But to have the Raiders, the Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Packers all be really relevant that was cool because those are national yep. fan base. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know from from talking to you over the years, like you are big into sports media and, and not just football. And uh, honestly, like it kind of surprised me at first uh, how much you, you, you were into it. But uh, now that now that I'm sort of more indoctrinated, I, I know that there are, you're, you're not alone in uh, in your love of, of sports media. What are, what are the sports media topics outside of the NFL that that, uh, that are interesting to you right now? You know, I soak it all up like a sponge. I just love information. I'll read every publication, and I'll also read all these Twitter feeds. And, you know, I read what Awful Announcing will write. I read what Richard Deitch writes. I read, I read it all, and I find it all interesting, like, coming in, because a lot of it is, like, here's, like, what's what we're talking about and whatever. But I also feel like there's, like, this whole other side of it where, like, you know, the guys who are in the production trucks and the people behind the scenes, and I know Deitch tries giving love to those guys as much as possible and credit to him for that. But... That is a fascinating world, too, like the people who um, actually produce these games. So I always like giving them love, and I feel like that's an area that has not been um, – a, mar- a market that has not been cornered yet. I think PR guys are mentioned a lot in these articles. I think uh, the agents get a lot of love, but I think that the people who make these decisions and who are behind the scenes for these games, like that's something that's really interesting to me, and I think that could be something cool. Now, what do I track? What do I find interesting? Like I know you're on those guys, Deuces and Mero. I love hearing any new voice. Like Jesus, uh, Jesus like, I mean, and Jesus and Mero. I don't know. I was on vacation and I put on like Viceland. I didn't even know what channel it was, and those guys <laughs> had me laughing. But like, you know, there's a lot of news on where will Katie Nolan go and what's the next step for Barstool and all that. And that's that's cool. I I want to hear new voices. I want to see what new approaches are. I you know, I'm on an NFL um, talk show, but I feel like we're approaching it in a totally inside-out way. We're produced by Embassy Row, which is the same guys that do Men in Blazers, and they yep. do Watch What's Happening Live. Like, yep. we look at it in a totally different way with a different lens. So I'm all for creativity. I'm all for different voices, and I want to see what resonates with people. I, I don't know the Barstool brand well enough to, to voice it, but I see uh, what that PFT commenter tweets sometimes, and I really laugh my ass off. I think <laughs> it's funny. So uh, how do you take that talent, and how do you harness him, and how do you put that into a show that people would want to watch every day? I mean, that's the, that's the cool stuff to me. Who are the new voices? 
And, you know, it doesn't have to be the sports media favorites. It could come from left field. It could be a blogger. It could be whatever. Hell, I would watch a show. Forget the sports reporters. I mean, that's, that's a show that was dead, you know, 10 years ago as far as, like, you know, waiting till Sunday to get the columnist's thoughts on it. What about, a sports t- what about a sports TV reporter's show? You know, like, I would watch you and John Orand and, the, and you guys bat around topics. Like, that's the kind of stuff. What's the angle and what's new? Because we've had the same kind of shows for years. I just love new and uh, different innovative approaches to television. John Orand, call your agent. Um, so uh, You would do a show, right? When you do a show, four boxes. Forget uh, around the horn. Put you I, guys on a show, and once a week you're talking about the sports media. Look, all these things, I mean, you guys. You I, guys I would not do it because I would not be able to handle people mocking the ratings. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't know. But I would love, I mean, I listen to you and Jimmy Trainer, or I listen to you and Fred Siegel from Freezing Cold Tech. I mean, there's interesting stuff out there. And it's not just where's Kyrie Irving going to go next or is Conor McGregor a bad person. Like, I, you know, it's whatever, right? Give me new stuff. Give me different stuff because it is so fragmented right now. That, that something as specific as that, there's an audience for it. Obviously, you know the clicks you're getting. Yeah. Um, I would watch it. Yeah, so, you know, one thing on the, uh, uh, you know, like trying to get people uh, behind the scenes, people, producers, that kind of thing. Um, it, it's interesting, and I, I'm sure that uh, there are many booking skills I have not figured out yet. But uh, uh, generally speaking, it, it, it is seeming to me that it is the case, and maybe it's not that surprising, that uh, on-air people like to talk and love to do podcasts. And behind the scenes, people don't really want to do them so much. What, do, do, does that sound crazy to you? I don't know. Have they been asked? Like, Richie Zions is not, like, he's not a regular guest on these podcasts. He's produced 10 Super Bowls. You know, he's like yep. Fox's number one guy. Rich Russo directs the Super Bowl. I would love to hear what that's like. He's the one who captured Julian Edelman's catch in the Super Bowl. I mean, you think about that. That is true craftsmanship. Would love to hear from that guy. So I don't know. Are they being asked? Maybe not. I mean, my uh, production team uh, at Good Morning Football is a bunch of brilliant young kids under the age of 40 that I'm so proud of that I think I'm, I'm honored to work with these guys. I don't think they're being invited onto podcasts. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change that up because I'm gonna I'm gonna start emailing some folks at the NFL Network and uh, I, will definitely, I will definitely bring on get what's one his name. Them. What's what's the guy on? Uh, ESPN, who has all the shows. Ride home, bring oh, on him. I would love to hear an interview with that guy. I, I, I would too. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure Eric wants to wants to do that kind of thing. I, he's Fair he enough. he he's a he's a great example of uh, of someone who's done a lot of great stuff, but doesn't doesn't really seem to want much limelight for himself. Never heard him speak. Never saw an interview with him. Don't know the guy. Would love to hear somebody do a sit down with Eric Ride Home, uh, who created Pizza Guy. Uh, PTI around the horn, highly questionable, uh, or he didn't create around the horn, but, uh, he produces it now. And, uh, uh, he produces a Jesus Amaro too. So the guy is all over the place. Full circle, my friend. Yep. Yep. You, you brought it around. Hey, Peter, thanks very much for joining the podcast. And, uh, hopefully if you're not uh, too busy and you get some downtime, I'll have you back on during the season. I would love it. Thanks for having me on. I listened to the podcast. It's really cool for you to ask me. Appreciate it, my man. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks again to Peter Schrager for joining the podcast. If anything seemed dated, that's on me, not Peter. I taped with uh, Shrags more than a week ago, but I have some Stone Age idea of an editorial calendar, so I held it back for the NFL season. You can check out past podcasts with ESPN's Scott Van Pelt, Sports Illustrated's Richard Deitch, and TSN's Jay Onright. And you can find all the past podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SportsTVRatings.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, my goodness. Alexa, 
play the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Here is your sports update. In football, the Texans will play tomorrow at 11 a.m. at home against the Jaguars. The Redskins will play tomorrow at 11 a.m. at home against the Eagles. The Cowboys will play tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. at home against the Giants. In baseball, last night the Giants beat the White Sox. Alexa, stop. Nah, it's probably better than my podcast. <laughs>